Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Back rolling on the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. And joining me now is Christian Fowler, senior writer and content creator for Bluff City Media. He's on X at C Fowler BCM. We have a podcast, by the way, that releases every single Tuesday at noon. It's called the On the Bluff Pod. Find it on Apple, Spotify, full-length video version. On YouTube, Christian, what's happening, man? Oh, nothing much, Gabe Coon. How are you doing on this Tuesday? I am doing well. I am doing well, brother. Um, I'm doing a lot better uh, seeing that the Tigers have uh, immediately found a replacement, if you will, for Jordan Brown. Naquan Tomlin committed today. Um, One, I I guess we'll start here. The ability to, to have a turnaround this quickly, to find someone to fill a role by this staff, by Penny Hardaway. It's unreal. It's unreasonable how quick this happened. Yeah, we, we talk about this every every now and again, about how much hate Penny Hardaway gets and maybe how much we feel like he's disrespected by national media. But the fact that he is able to pull this off tells you everything that you need to know. Like, this is insane. I can't think of any similar example uh, around college sports, basketball or football, where you lose what was supposed to be one of, if not your best player on the season, and immediately you find not only a sufficient replacement, but a replacement that is, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, fingers crossed, I should probably knock on wood saying that, but in, in my mind, without a shadow of a doubt, should be better and give you more than what Jordan Brown did. And if he doesn't, then I will be, <laughs> I will be absolutely floored if Naquan Tomlin does not give you more than what Jordan Brown did in his very, very short with the University of Memphis. So, yeah, it, it, huge shout-out to Penny and the staff for what they were able to do, uh, taking a bad situation that is, you know, can be can be talked about negatively, I guess, from a national media perspective or any perspective, and turn it into what is more than likely 99.9% going to be a net positive for this team. Yeah, I mean, uh, and the fact that I, I sort of looked, and this was the off-season conversation, um, Penny Hardaway kept a scholarship open, and it almost feels like he kept a scholarship open for something like this potentially about to happen. Like, I, yeah. there's not a lot of coaches that have that type of foresight, and Penny seemed to have it. Yeah, absolutely. And now we're looking at a player who was a key part, and I think some people may have missed the fact, you know, how, how huge he was for Kansas State last year in their Elite Eight run because I know Keontae Johnson and Marquise Noel were – garnering the majority of the headlines as they should have been. But Naquan Tomlin was just a big of just as big of a part of, of that team as those two guys were. I mean, averaging 
nearly 11 points, six rebounds, uh, one block, one steal, one assist per game, shooting 50% from the floor. And he was instrumental in what they did at Kansas State because, you know, we talked about this last night on the podcast, like Kansas State was get up and down the floor as well when you have an elite point guard, an elite wing, and an elite uh, center power forward. That's what you do is you run, and they're all extremely athletic, and that's what that's what Naquan Tomlin is. So this is a massive addition, and I know – I know typically in a circumstance like this, people could call it a big addition just because it is someone else that can step in, but this just isn't another body in the front court. Right. Like, Naquan Tomlin is immediately the best player in Memphis's front court and gives this front court the opportunity to be what we thought it could be going into the season. And I know you already mentioned fit-wise, and then you think production-wise he'll be better than Jordan Brown, but like looking at hind- like, I, and I know it's hindsight because um, Jordan Brown was a 19-point uh, nine rebound guy at Louisiana last year, Lou Henson award winner, the whole thing. So we thought uh, that he was going to give uh, th- this team a whole lot. Um, but sort of looking back at it from a fit perspective, did it ever really make a whole bunch of sense? Like fit wise, it feels like he he was a slow it down, back to the basket, old school traditional big, and that's nothing. That's something that Penny's never really had. That this Memphis team has never really had. So. I mean, obviously, I'm using hindsight here, but it's not an, a, a massive, massive surprise that you know the conditioning and everything else ended up being the issue for Jordan Brown. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But none of us, absolutely of course, not one it's all hindsight. Person, yes, it is 100% hindsight is 2020 because when Memphis landed Jordan Brown, it was this guy can compete for being the best player in the conference. Memphis could potentially have the best front court in the country because of this player. But now, knowing what we know and looking back at it, Jordan Brown really needs to play in a slower system where he is the guy and probably the only guy because he he asks for a lot of touches, and he needs a lot of touches to be effective. He needs the ball around the basket. He needs to be able to get in one-on-one situations down low in a slow-paced offense that sets pretty much every time in the half court to run plays that are centered around him, and that is just not – what Memphis does at all. Uh, that's not how they play offense. And so looking back, yeah, it absolutely makes sense why it didn't work out. Yeah. Now, if you would have told anybody three or four months ago that this would be the current situation, they would definitely laugh in your face. But and how often do we say that in the world of sports? It's always, it's always something. It's always hindsight. And, yeah, it absolutely didn't work. And now Penny Hardaway and the staff have gone and gotten a player that is a perfect fit, a tailor-made fit for this team and what they do on both ends of the floor. And I think now we are looking at it, you know, from a different perspective. We're not looking at it from this is an extremely talented player and it's going to work. Well, now we're looking at it from, okay, the fit makes sense and it's an extremely talented player. So now Jordan Brown has us all looking at things in, in much more detail and with more perspective on the addition of Naquan Tomlin. And for those that don't know out there, this is a guy who didn't play basketball in high school. So, like, this is a guy who went straight JUCO for three years, went to Kansas State 10 points, six rebounds per game, was great in the tournament. It still feel like feels like there's a bunch to unlock with this guy, even though it looks like he'll only have about a year to play. Yeah, that's, that's the crazy part. And I started doing a little bit more research a few days ago on him once Memphis got involved and uh, saw that, you know, he went to, I think he went to a, a prep school or private school, something like that for high school. And it literally just said, did not play basketball at so-and-so, whatever the name of the school was. And it's like, how did, how did this situation even unfold? Then he goes to Monroe community college. 
excels there, goes to Chipola College for two years, excels there, uh, ends up landing at K-State. And he only played at K-State one year. I think if you were looking at this at face value and you said, okay, this was a JUCO guy, and yes, he was a top-level JUCO guy at Chipola College. I think 247 Sports had him as the number four overall JUCO player. But you would say, okay, maybe it took him a couple of years to develop at the D1 level. Maybe he you know, maybe he sat back and played a few minutes for a year. No, last year was his first season at Kansas State, and he had the stats that I mentioned earlier. So this is a guy that clearly can pick up the game very quickly, can change systems very efficiently, and can kind of adjust on the fly depending on the situation and how he's needed. And I think all those things obviously play into Memphis' favor yeah. uh, with him now on the team. Talking with Christian Fowler at C. Fowler BCM. Now, I, I, I want to rewind a little bit with what happened at Kansas State. He got in a bar fight, and it looked like the staff wanted to keep him on. He never had charges pressed against him, so there there was that. Right. Staff wanted to keep him on. Jerome Tang wanted to keep him on. Most of the, the, the students there, I think there was a protest to try to get him back on the team. But the president's office and the AD's office seemed to want him off campus. It feels like Kansas State botched this situation altogether with Naquan Tomlin. Yeah, absolutely. And if you, I think what people do is they probably see that, see those headlines that he got from that situation and say, oh, he was at fault. You know, they're like he deserved not to be at Kansas State. But like you said, there were never any charges pressed. There was never any, never anything that came from it. So I know that, you know, it sounds bad on the, on the, on the back end when you just hear the headlines or you just read the headlines. But when you look into it, I'm with you. I think K-State botched the situation. There was no need for him to not be on the team. Uh, nothing ever came of it. And, yeah, you said it perfectly. Like, Jerome Tang clearly wanted him back. Uh, I would imagine the entire team and the school, as you mentioned, with the protests, wanted him back. Um, but sometimes sometimes staffs, administrations, things like that, they don't like the optics of it. Yep. And I think that's kind of the situation that happened is it was an optic thing. It wasn't necessarily a who's right, who's wrong, or – who's at fault or who was charged with what, it was the optics of it looked bad, so let's distance ourselves. And it, it works to the benefit of Memphis. Yeah, but, like, from an optic perspective, was it really, was it really bad enough to keep him away? Like, because I don't know I mean, if those optics, because so. those same optics, theoretically, if K-State was so worried about him, those same optics could uh, definitely come down on Memphis. Um, but it doesn't feel like right. that's going to be the case. It doesn't feel like people are, are really that up in arms about Naquan Tomlin playing college basketball. No, I, I don't, because I, I don't see why. I don't think there's a reason for it. But you know how you know how administrations can be and have knee-jerk reactions, right? When things first happen, and if it sounds bad, they usually think it it is bad or it's going to be bad. And they a lot of times administrations and universities they just don't give time for those situations to pan out before they themselves hit the panic button and say we've got to figure something out and then put a coaching staff's feet to the fire and make and, and try to make something happen relatively quickly. So that that's more of what the situation feels like. And then once the dust settled, it, it was like, okay, this isn't as big of a deal as it may have seemed on the front end. And mm-hmm. I think that's the, I think that's kind of the situation that's that happened with Naquan Tomlin. Yep. Now when we look at the the, the schools that showed interest in Naquan Tomlin, it's like Kansas and Everybody. Villanova and Arizona and all these different good blue blood schools in college basketball. When we talk about Penny Hardaway and we talk about, you know, the transfer portal king in uh, in college basketball, he's definitely making his case for it. I know Eric Musselman and there's, uh, I mean, there's a lot of coaches that do really well, but Penny Hardaway this year has done this thing at an even higher level than I've seen anybody else do it. Absolutely. I mean, even even before this situation, you look at what 
he and the staff did in the transfer portal, and you go, okay, that's that's ridiculous. Like he could, you could arguably say he is the best recruiter of transfers in the country just of off of what he did going into the season. But with this entire situation, this is just not something that happens. If 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 a coach, if a team loses someone of that magnitude, there is no replacing them. There there is no getting a, a, an immediate replacement. So not only to get someone that is as talented as Naquan Tomlin is, but to do it as quickly as he did it. I mean, yep. the news just broke. What was it Friday yep. of Jordan Brown being gone? And Naquan Tomlin was on, on campus on Monday, and his commitment was made public on Tuesday. Like, that is, that is an incredibly rapid timeline to get one of the better players and the most coveted player at the moment into your program. Like, it's absolutely insane. Yes, he is. You are right. He's a transfer portal king. He is ridiculous when it comes to, to just getting talent, collecting talent, regardless of where it comes from. And know what he is the king of, and I, I, I feel very confident in saying this, saying this, considering the situation and uh, Jordan Brown out, Naquan Tomlin in, and all that he's done this offseason and how much he's changed his recruiting philosophy from, you know, highly regarded high school players to uh, transfer portal guys, highly regarded transfer portal guys, the adaptability is is second to none, it feels like, at this point. I mean, he, he has yeah. learned, he has changed, and he has grown in, in how he wants to run things here at Memphis. Yeah, adjusting on the fly has become a strong suit for Penny Hardaway, and it's something I feel like early in his collegiate coaching career we were talking about, you know, is are there times that he's too resistant to change, whether just feeling like, this is the way that it has to be or system or whatever it may be. I feel like that, that became a, at least a small narrative surrounding Penny Hardaway early in his career. But over the last, what, two, three, four years, he has shown that he can adapt and adjust to any situation. And you can pull up numerous examples and whether it's changing the recruiting philosophy from young, talented freshmen that are going to grab headlines and go, immediately be NBA prospects and be one and done and give Memphis uh, an NBA pedigree from switching that to, uh, it's not about that. It's about getting guys that want to win that can play now that have shown that they can be successful at a high level that have experience and having a veteran laden team uh, from, you know, from switching coaches as much as he has and, and being, and, you know, sometimes I think we see head coaches get so caught up in keeping their guys and keeping the same coaches. But I feel like Penny has shown that he is willing to adapt to, if this isn't working, I'm going to go find someone that can make it work. And that is an underrated quality to have as a head coach because I feel like so many people get attached to their assistants, and rightfully so, but he's shown that he can adjust there. Um, there's just there's so many examples for what he's done to adjust and to adapt on the fly, and he is he's absolutely mastering it at this point. Now, holler at me about uh, sort of ceiling and floor. We had a different conversation um, about uh, this when, when Jordan Brown decided, or it seemingly um, decided, that he's not going to play for Memphis anymore. Although it looks like the staff says nothing has changed with that. They still think he's sick. Whatever. Um, does this addition bring that ceiling and that floor right back to where you thought it was going to be preseason when you thought Jordan Brown was going to give you what you needed? Without a shadow of a doubt. Because the w- the way that I explain it is, Memphis, as they sat on Sunday against Texas A&M, a top 25 team in the country, was as high as number 12 this year in the AP poll. 
without Jordan Brown, the way the team was before Naquan uh, Tomlin committed today, and between the time of Jordan Brown leaving, it was that that was. Let's say that we thought that was the team for the rest of the year. No Jordan Brown, right. no Naquan Tomlin. What they had, they beat one of the better teams in the country. They beat a top twenty-five team on the road. And really controlled the entire game. It really never felt like the game was in question. Memphis pretty much wire to wire Texas A&M in that game. So I think that team had a caliber to be a round of 32, sweet 16 level team. And now you add Naquan Tomlin. So you you add to the weakest part of your roster being your front court. Yep. Basically just Nick Jordan and Malcolm Dandridge left. You add Naquan Tomlin to the fold there. That ceiling goes back to question mark how good can they be like how how far can this go and i think that's untapped at this point i, I don't think we know how high that ceiling can be i'm, I'm not counting anything out if, if a if a team that is dealing with the adversity that they were dealing with can go on the road and beat a top 25 opponent then when you add someone that is special and has the pedigree we haven't even talked about that has the pedigree of going to an elite eight and making a run alongside a guy like Javon Quinterly who's done that, who's went on a run, and some of these other guys who have tournament minutes, I, I can't count anything out. I can't, I can't say what the ceiling of this team is. So, yes, the floor is raised. The ceiling is raised. This team goes back to the expectations, I think, that we had for them in the preseason, and, and maybe an argument could be made that it's even- Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Yeah, now you hope that the Naquan Tomlin news definitely gets the AP Top 25 voters um, eyes on Memphis and hopefully gets them in the AP Top 25. But is it is it amazing? Is it as amazing as it is for me to think that the AP Top 25 has missed out on this Memphis team every single week of the season so far. I, seven and two, yeah, three but- wins over top 50 Ken Palm teams, uh, two wins over top 25 teams, one neutral site, one on the road. I, I, it doesn't make any sense to me how they've been left out of the AP Top 25. Yeah, as you said last night on the podcast, it's either stupidly foolish or foolishly stupid, yes. right? Yeah, right. <laughs> one or the other. One or the other, but no, really, I am dumbfounded that they're not in the top 25. We've said this pretty much every week that 
okay, this is going to be the week that they that they find their way into it. And still, here we go. They, <laughs> still, you know, they, right. they, they beat it. They beat a top twenty-five team on the road, as you mentioned. Two losses this year, uh, being to Villanova and Ole Miss. One a neutral site game in a tournament style atmosphere. The other a true road game in Oxford, uh, beating Michigan, Arkansas, Texas A and M. It just it doesn't make any sense. And I'm at the point now where I, I don't even know if they beat number thirteen Clemson, if they'll be in the top twenty-five. You would like to right. think that, but with but with what has been shown, Memphis has a re- better resume than what bare minimum ninety percent of the teams in the top five. Like you, you'd be hard pressed to find a resume right now as we sit nine to eleven games wherever teams are in the in the regular season. A better resume than the University of Memphis is, and they still are on the outside looking in. It makes no sense. At the same time, it means nothing. We know that it right. means nothing. We know what Memphis is doing right now is potentially raising their seed line, which is all, which matters in infinitely more than being in the top twenty-five. But still, like the fact that they're not getting the respect and being considered among the the nation's best teams just doesn't make any sense. What do you think it is? I know everybody's got their thoughts on this. I know I have my thoughts that I may I, I may let be known here in a second. But what do you think it is? Like why why do they get left out? I why have I, they been left out? I think this sounds like this is a stupid reason. It doesn't just sound like a stupid reason, but I think a lot of these national media members that weren't high on Memphis going into the year are waiting on the other shoe to drop. And I think they felt like it did after the Ole Miss game. I think a lot of them felt justified that, okay, here we go. Like Memphis got their wins over Michigan and Arkansas and they had a good little run, but they showed who they really were against Villanova and then, uh, they went and lost to Ole Miss, and this is the team that we expected them to be. Well, bad news for them is they went out and beat Texas A&M on the road. And I, I think they really are just waiting on the other shoe to drop and feeling like Memphis is not the team that they've shown they are. And that's a terrible reason. I get it. I completely agree that it's a terrible reason, but that's the only thing that I can think of is that people are trying to justify what they felt in the preseason and right. still feel like Memphis is going to falter at some point. Well, but how much of the, the, the feeling nationally has to do with just sort of maybe reality doesn't meet expectations under Penny Hardaway, or it hasn't the entirety of his, of his yeah, six-year stint? How much is it, do you think, the drama you see year to year and also Jordan Brown now out? Now, he replaced him quickly with Naquan Tomlin, so it feels like it's an ultimate positive for this team. But how much do you think it's that? Like, the, the, just sort of the, the long-held institutional thoughts of the University of Memphis and Penny? I think that's absolutely a part of it. Without, without a doubt, I think that that is a part of it. But the bad part about that, the, the bad part why I feel like that can't be justified is that... Oh, it's not justified. It's not justified. No, no, I, yeah, no, I agree. And I get that there was a couple of years where Memphis fell short of expectations before that. But if you're a national media member or national voter or whatever, and you pay attention to the sport of college basketball, Memphis was supposed to not be good at all last year. They they had very little expectations going into last year. Kendrick Davis was the only thing that created any buzz, and this was a Memphis team that played very well throughout the regular season. I know the tournament obviously didn't go their way, but they won the, the American Athletic Conference tournament. Um, they They came within a few mishaps of – of beating FAU in the tournament and, you know, who knows from that point. But the job that Penny Hardaway and the staff did last year with the least amount of talent he's, he had had 
since his first year at Memphis should have erased those things for the national media and just for the overall viewpoint of the University of Memphis under Penny Hardaway. But clearly it has not. I mean, there's no, you can't really argue it. And I know some people from the outside looking in may say, oh, that's just battered fan syndrome. That's just people too close to the situation. But it's kind of writing itself. It's kind of showing its face to everyone, and it, it has it's for a hard while. to ignore. I mean, yeah, like the, sure. the 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 lack of attention they get for beating Michigan, Arkansas, and A and M, and then the full on attention they get, or, or the, how much they get docked by losses against Villanova and Ole Miss, it, it shows itself. It shows itself constantly, and and I, it's. Quite frankly, it's it's relatively annoying. Because like, yeah. if you just sort of watch this team, if you just watch this team, use your eyes. I know eyes don't tell you everything, and metrics can tell you other things, but the metrics tell you um, that this team's a top 25 team. And also, your eyes would tell you there's not 25 teams better than this team. From a talent right. perspective and-, and from a resume perspective. It, it just doesn't seem like you could you could come away from watching a Memphis game with any other thought process. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think I think you hit the nail on the head with the fact that when Memphis plays well against good opponents, it's like everybody kind of turns their head and acts like it's not happening. And then as soon as they fall or they falter, then, then everyone's they say, See? ready to jump look, on Twitter See, and look. jump on social media and say, I told yeah. you so. This is what I was telling you about. This is what I was warning you about. And it's just not – it just doesn't make any sense. That's just not how – Anyone who is an analyst or a journalist or in the media or even a fan, I mean, even as a fan, you should be able to, to take the negative and the positive and say, okay, maybe I had this this preconceived notion about this team, but they, they've been a little bit more impressive than I thought. So if a common fan could do that, and an analyst or a journalist or media member should easily be able to admit when they're wrong because guess what? When you do this long enough, you don't even have to do this long. You can do this for a single season, and you're going to be wrong countless times. I, I can't tell you how many times you and I have both had opinions that did not turn out the right way, but we weren't we weren't too ashamed to say, hey, look, sports are unpredictable. We were wrong on this. We yep. were not right. Our preconceived notions were absolutely false. Facts change, and you should change your, your opinion based on the facts that are presented to you, and it just feels like that's not what AP Top 25 voters have done. But enough of that. Talking with Christian Fowler at C. Fowler, BCM. When we talk about the head of the snake of this team, I think most people would lean to David Jones. Do you think that it's as easy as saying David Jones is the head of the snake for this Memphis basketball team? I don't think it's as easy. I think he is the head of the snake. I don't think there's any any disputing that anymore. But do I think that this team cannot be successful if he has an off night? No, I do not think that. I think if he is scoring 20-plus points per game and he's playing the way that he did um, against A&M and Arkansas and in some of these other games, then yes, Memphis should absolutely win those games. But I think David Jones has the ability to have off games and be lifted up by his teammates. I think Javon Quinterly has played really well for the most part, Caleb Mills has had his moments. Jaquan Walton has had his moments. When Naquan Tomlin gets in the fold, he'll obviously have his moments. Like, yes, he is the head of the snake, but it's not as simple as that because I think there are such good players and so much talent around him that he doesn't have to have 25-plus points per game for Memphis to win. Now, if you can get that every night, yeah, you absolutely want that because he is that good. He has been one of the best players in the country up to this point. But I think there's enough talent around him to lift him up if he is having an off game or not having his best game. 
Yeah. Now, weirdly enough, I, I have a little bit of a different opinion on this. I think when you look at Javon Quinterly and when he keeps his turnovers down and he plays sound basketball, he's almost the head of the snake because you can tell when they're going to have success based on what he looks like game to game. If he is if he is uh, getting those uh, high assist totals, four plus assists, uh, they're they're just they're they're fantastic. When he is hitting down, uh, knocking down shots at a high rate, they seem to win just about every game. It feels like this is the type of guy that paces this team, and if he is having an off game. Feels like they're liable to to lose a game if he's having at least a solid game with his assist totals, um, playing relatively efficient. It feels like this team will win just about every game they they suit up for. Yeah, and I don't disagree with that at all. And it's because he plays the most important position on the floor. So if your point guard's not playing well, he's not distributing the ball, he's turning the ball over, he's not efficient when he shoots, then your whole offense is going to be thrown off because he is unquestionably the conductor of that offense. And you're right, when he's on, when he's smooth, when he's hitting guys for open shots, when he himself is making shots and taking care of the basketball, then that is when Memphis is going to be at their best. So I, I think that's, that is a great point. Yes, it looks good statistically when David Jones is putting up 25 plus a, points Yeah, 30, a 36-point game and a neutral site game right. against Arkansas and winning. Yeah, right. I get that. Right. But when your point guard isn't playing well, then the whole offense is going to look a little bit shaky. And so, yeah, I think that's that's a fair point. They might be 1A and 1B. Maybe not. Not even might. They are 1A and 1B. And if they're both playing well, then Memphis is going to be one of the best teams in the country. It's going to be hard for any team in the country to beat Memphis if David Jones and Javon Quinterly are both on their game. Now, final thing, uh, transitioning to a little bit of football and transfer portal, because we talked about Naquan Tomlin and the Memphis basketball transfer portal, where Penny is absolutely owning it. Um, we're going to have to see Ryan Silverfield and this staff do similar things um, because that's just the, the, what, the, what it is at the Group of Five level. That, that, is, that is what you're dealing with. You have to bring in good players on the transfer portal because you're going to have outgoing transfers that seem to transfer up. When Davion Carter is one of them, looks like he visited Texas Tech yesterday um, or over the weekend. You had McKylan Pounders visit Auburn over the weekend. But there is this one name that I just found amazing. That, that, that Memphis is listed in his, his final three when you look at the other two in his final three. Mario Anderson from South Carolina, he, is, he has narrowed down his final three schools. Oklahoma, USC, and Memphis. I don't necessarily think he ends up at Memphis. Um, I, I think there's, there's reports about his dad wanting him to end up uh, in Oklahoma, in Norman. But did that sort of throw you for a loop to see Memphis sort of grouped in with Oklahoma and USC on the recruiting trail, on the transfer portal recruiting trail? Yeah, it, that was that was very surprising because you just don't see Memphis listed amongst those schools. And even in some times where Memphis has gotten some bigger recruits, it's been high school recruits that maybe had some ties to the staff or, you know, you brought new staff in that they had been – that they were being recruited by at other schools – and so it kind of made sense a little bit. And I haven't seen anything with Mario Anderson that has him linked to Memphis or any previous coaches nope. or anything like that. Um, so it, it definitely is surprising. But what I will say, and I'm with you, I don't necessarily think he's going to end up at Memphis. But And I know it will probably wouldn't be the biggest payday either compared to USC and Oklahoma. But I just feel like if he wants to go be an NFL running back, his path to the NFL is so much more clear at Memphis than it is at either one of those places. I mean, those are two places that recruit the running back position very well and have consistently done so. It's and like he Memphis will be the lead back if he comes to the University of Memphis. 
Right. He is unquestionably the guy if he comes to Memphis. And this is a school that has proven that they can put running backs in the NFL. I mean, you watch on Sundays, you see at least four Memphis running backs pretty much every week between Daryl Henderson, Tony Pollard, uh, Antonio Gibson, and Patrick Taylor, who all played on, uh, at Memphis at the same time, all found their way into the NFL and all have had, you know, certain levels of success at the professional level. And so for a guy like Mario Anderson, who was very impressive in the SEC last year in his first season, uh, over 700 yards as a, as a D2 transfer, if, if a guy like that was to come to Memphis, he would go berserk and be a, a probably a top three round pick. I mean, we're talking about Blake Watson being a pro and going to the NFL. And he was a fifth you know, year guy and he's Dominion got the and, age and he, and clearly has the, right. I mean, he, he has the uh, tread on the tires. You know what I mean? Like right. he, he's uh, definitely a guy that the NFL looks at. It's like, oh, he's gotten a lot of carries. Right. A, a fifth-year guy who is undersized and could be quantified more as a third-down back, receiving back. And Mario Anderson has the ability to, to at bare minimum, be an early-down back and could develop into a three-down back because he has the perfect body type to be a wonderful blocker, which is – you know, I know everyone thinks about third down back. They think about catching the ball, but blocking is just as important. So, if a guy like Mario Anderson was to come to Memphis, I think his path to the NFL is is very clear. But at the same time, I understand yeah. chasing the money and chasing the you know the high level school. But at least interesting that Memphis yeah. made the top three. Uh, chasing them, I'll say this too. I don't know if there's a running back. I don't know if a guy like Mario Anderson is worried about um, about you know, getting his touches. If he's getting uh, recruited by all these schools, I think he has enough pride to think that he'll he'll probably be a lead back wherever he goes. But we'll see how it all plays out. Now, last thing for you, um, I know you have some extra pride in the Cowboys after that uh, 33-13 to win on Sunday night football over the uh, the, the Eagles. Um, is this here the year? No, it's not. <laughs> because you're, you told me this. This is funny. You said it's not the year because I'm alive. I'm yeah. alive. They've never done anything while I'm alive, is what you told me. And yeah. that is that is a sad reality, isn't it? Yep. I was born in 1998, and you go check the track record, it has been pretty dry since then. And me, me and my friends have had that joke running since, like, probably 7th or 8th grade. So for the past 13, 14 years, we've had the, if Christian's alive, Cowboys <laughs> are not going to win a Super Bowl <laughs> argument. So I, this is on record now. So whenever I eventually... Meet my maker. Somebody go back and check when that was, and I can almost guarantee you that the Cowboys will win the Super Bowl the following year. Okay. All right. Well, that is just a that is a negative way to look at it, brother. I have to tell <laughs> yeah, you. I mean, it, the track record speaks for itself, brother. This is a almost different Dak Prescott, years. though. All right? I agree. We got to use context clues every once in a while, and Dak, Dak is looking different right now. I agree with that, but it only takes one bad game, and not many quarterbacks have success against the San Francisco 49ers. And that's where it looks like all roads are leading. So I do not believe the Dallas Cowboys can beat the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, and I think every single team in the NFC, if you're going to be taken seriously, they have to have that uh, that come-to-Jesus month. The Cowboys were the first month. You had the, the um, 49ers in November. Now it's the Eagles in December where you're just wondering if they're, they're worthy. You have to wonder if yep, they're trash. Everybody's had their rite of passage, so yep. we, we shall see. I think the three best teams in the NFL reside in the NFC. Yep, still. I agree. You could put, you could maybe make an argument for the Ravens over the Eagles. I still think the Eagles are a better top to bottom team. Um, but so I just I, I think whoever comes out of the NFC is probably going 
to win it all. I just feel like the 49ers. Barring injuries, barring injuries. Shoulders. Barring injuries. Barring injuries. Yes. Yes, of course. We have to. We have but to. I just feel like they're head and shoulders above everybody else. I hear you. I, I completely agree with you. Well, Christian, I appreciate it, man. We'll do it again next week. All right. See you all next week. Yes, sir. That is Christian Fowler at C. Fowler BCM, senior writer and content creator for Bluff City Media. We have a podcast called the On the Bluff Podcast brought to you by Bluff City Media. It is a full-length video version on YouTube. Find it on Apple. You can find it on Spotify. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.